This is the On The Touchline Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Broadwater. Welcome to the show. So I had a really weird moment earlier this week where it's tryout season here in the Pittsburgh area and was taking my son to a tryout. And I had told the person at the registration table our last name and his first name. And one of the coaches that was standing there said, are you Jason? Of course, I was uh, a little bit shocked um, having not put my name on the registration form for this particular club. And he said to me, I listened to the podcast. So a very cool moment. Um, Wasn't quite sure how to handle that as the host of this show. But uh, Tom Campbell and I had a pretty fantastic conversation. So Tom, if you're listening to this episode, I just want to say thank you for what you're doing for uh, your club, but also um, the conversation that we had and a very enjoyable moment. And thank you so much for, for supporting the show. Today's episode is about tryouts. So season two, episode 16, I talked to Tristan Tillette. And Tristan is the dad of three teenage soccer players in Alabama. I love what Tristan says in this episode of having three kids playing for three different clubs and his fiance also being the director of coaching for another club and how parents and coaches really need to do their due diligence when it comes to finding the right fit for their son or daughter. So if you're a parent, if you're a coach, you definitely want to check this episode out. Before we get going, though, with this episode, just a few housekeeping items that I share in every episode. This podcast is available on 12 different podcasting platforms. We just added our 12th last week with iHeartRadio. So whatever platform you listen on, so it might be Stitcher, it might be Google, it might be Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, you can find us virtually everywhere. And if you listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, I have really important instructions for you as a listener for the show. And it would mean the absolute world to me if you stop what you're doing, go there now, leave a five-star rating and a review for the show. This will take you all of 30 seconds to, to do. So you hit the five-star button, it'll show up, and just leave a brief comment about something that you'd like about this show. That helps more and more people in the soccer community find out about what this podcast is trying to do, which is make the soccer world and the football world just a little bit smaller by connecting you, the listener, to players, coaches, and influencers in our game. Secondly... Word of mouth, believe it or not, in 2019 still matters. Many of you are probably like me and listen to a number of podcasts over the course of a week. And whether you might be a little bit behind on episodes or anything like that, tell friends about this podcast. So they might be a player, they might be a coach, they might be someone who just loves the best game in the world. And by telling them about the show, Hopefully they check it out and they gain something from one of the conversations that we have 
uh, over the course of the seasons of this show. And last but not least, please, please, please reach out on social media. I am active on Twitter and Instagram at SoccerCoachJB on both of those platforms. And I love it when folks send me a comment or have a suggestion for a guest or in some cases actually connect me to different coaches or players or people in the game that they think I should talk to. Uh, I love hearing people's backstories. And really that is sort of the, the heart and the foundation of what this podcast is all about. So reach out anytime on social media. All right, let's get going with this episode. Season two, episode 16, my guest, Tristan Tillette. This episode is dedicated strictly to (laughs) that topic that uh, you and I both love, tryouts. Awesome. And uh, yeah, so um, we can take as much time, uh, you know, as as you want. Um, I originally was going to sort of do a mashup of like a bunch of different ones of these, like 10 minutes, 15 minutes each. But I actually think that... um, you know, we go a half hour or however long we go, uh, just dedicated, you know, each person sort of get their own. So this will be, um, part of the rotation here in season two. And, um, yeah. Uh, and some people uh, that have reached out to me have said, you know, they've had a really good experience. Um, other people have said that it's, <laughs> it's not been a very good experience. Um, sure. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure you've seen a little bit of everything oh, and, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'm uh, I'm expecting, you know, this is like a, you know, LeBron James game seven uh, NBA title on the line type of performance from UT. So no pressure. (laughs) So uh, tell me about the good, the bad, the ugly when it comes to tryouts. Um, I mean, I've gone through, you know, from a from a parenting perspective. Let me see. It's like dog years kind of. so oldest son, we've gone through seven, um, you know, then I have, so that's 16 year old and then 13 year old boy, girl twins. So, you know, all in all, I guess like 15, 16 experiences. Um, and that's just from kind of the parenting side. Um, you know, then with myself being involved in a professional um, coaching setting, probably six or seven um, more hands on, some more hands on than others. Um, and then obviously, um, my fiance is a girls director of coaching. Um, I kind of have a little behind the scenes info and some of the things that go on, uh, you know, in the, in the war rooms, uh, so to speak, just trying to kind of help her, you know, manage the, um, her mission vision for experiences that she would like to provide to young players versus, you know, maybe some of the um, conflict that she might feel at times um, as well, which is, which is getting better for sure. I'll say that. Do you think that, um, well, tell me a little bit about the structure of, uh, of the trials you've been a part of, um, and that could be as a parent yeah. or, you know, in your professional capacity or even the cat has been a part of as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, in, in our culture, um, we live, uh, in Birmingham, Alabama, and it's each club is a little bit different, um, where there's, you know, I guess kind of two quote larger clubs. And then there's maybe, you know, four or five, that are maybe a tier below that. Um, some do 
very little communication on the field with the players um, in terms of positive feedback, you know, um, while they're evaluating. Um, things are done through a phone call. Um, other organizations, you know, will do actual like on the field offers individually. Um, some do on the field offers like collectively as a group, you know, i.e. calling um, the group of boys or girls in, okay, you know, A, B, C, D, X, Y, Z, you group over here with coach, you know, Joe and other group over here with myself or et cetera, et cetera. So I think it really just kind of depends where everybody kind of has a different um, spin, which, you know, makes it, I guess, somewhat challenging for players that maybe try out at different groups and have maybe been a part of different groups because it's like they kind of get used to one process and then that's not the norm. So it's a little bit unexpected, which, I mean, as we know, tryouts is pretty nerve-wracking. I mean, for, for players, parents, coaches, directors, you know, everybody's a little on edge um, as it can be a little bit of a tumultuous experience um, for all parties. Um, so I think maybe a little bit more consistency um, – just across the board on kind of like what the expectation um, should be kind of what the, the legality of communication, whether it be before leading up to it during after. Um, I think those are some things that I, that could probably help um, make it go a little bit smoother. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I would say too, in my own experience, I mean, you know, I, and granted no two clubs are the same in terms of what they're looking for or, maybe how they go about their business. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, everybody wants qualified players, right? So if I think if we start there or somewhere close to there and kind of work backward collectively, um, but I agree with everything you said that I think it's really challenging that if a, a player is, is trying out for different clubs, even what the expectations are, um, how it's structured, what, what are they even looking for? You know? Um, I, I mean, I, I, it's, there's been a very wide range <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and I think that makes it tough for the players. I think that makes it tough for the parents. Um, you know, I, I feel like here locally that there's sort of this like rush to the finish line of, uh, hey, here's all the information you need to know and here's how much it's going to cost and here's how many times we train a week or, you know, those sort of things, which don't get me wrong, they're important. But there's also like no one ever, I, I mean, maybe I've missed it, but I don't hear people really talking about philosophy or, um, you know, hey, this is what our club is about. We want people who sort of buy into this. And I don't know if you've experienced that or, you know, maybe it's just been the, the somewhat limited experience I've had with it, but um, yeah. I don't know. I, I'm curious what that's been for you. Um, I mean, to that point, uh, I guess maybe six or seven years ago, there was a local director um, who's no longer here. Um, he came in from a, from a larger market, you know, very successful, grew a, grew a massive club, you know, and it was about philosophy, culture, training first, you know, development over results. Um, training versus recruiting, you know, all of the things I think is most um, altruistic coaches and, and parents would kind of like to hear. Um, he was very much that way. Uh, I believe he was here for maybe one tryout season and there was like a mass exodus um, from there just because it was like so different and, you know, and kind of earth shattering for people to, to, to hear that, that 
it is a process, you know, there is going to be commitment from everybody involved, not to say that parents and kids need to be more committed than coaches, directors. I mean, we're all on the same page um, at the end of the day to, to kind of help your son or daughter, you know, get from point A to point B, whether their point B is making a team at U8 or whether it's making, you know, a national team or probably, you know, every stop and kind of step in between. Um, for the most part, though, it is more of what you said. It's more of a transactional relationship and less of an actual, you know, quote, relational, you know, relationship in terms of like, do we even speak the same language? Because um, we do, if we don't, that's fine too, but it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, um, you know, to kind of go down the road mm -hmm. um, with with your young player. Because at the end, again, club soccer, um, as I say around here, you know, to some of the coaches and parents and folks that kind of reach out, you know, for, for support, for feedback, for information, um, you're dealing with three things that parents are very, very passionate about their time, their child and their money. And like any parent is going to care about those three and the order may be different depending on which you might have a little bit more or less of, et cetera. Um, but that's, those are generally three things that parents are going to be, you know, very, very headstrong about, you know, and think that they're going to take, you know, personally and for good reason. Um, and club soccer kind of is the, the, perfect or imperfect storm, if you will, where all three of those are kind of lumped together, um, which I think is why the tryout process can be pretty combustible um, if it's handled um, in certain ways, certain times. Mm -hmm. um, you can get as uh, detailed or, or not detailed um, to talk about your, your own kids uh, with, with my follow-up question, but um, I'm curious if it ever went sort of, you know, badly or poorly in the fact that, um, you know, maybe what you hoped for, or what you wanted, but then sort of the, the actual outcome was a lot different than sort of, um, I don't know if I'd use the word promised, but definitely, uh, you know, conveyed to you as, as the parent of, of, you know, three different kids. Yep. Um, so three different you know, ages, boys and a girl, um, different commitment levels, you know, which are conversations that uh, myself and Kat, you know, have with, with them a lot where we both come from a competitive sporting background, you know, coaches. Um, so I have a little bit different, you know, kind of, kind of vantage point and viewpoint than what most quote, like normal as I air quote that parents might have um, just because we do, you know, side a lot of times on the side of the coaches where, I mean, it's not an easy job um, to, you know, to cut kids, to field the team, to get kids to buy in, to get parents to buy in. We kind of know all of that. Um, so with that, we just kind of talked to our three about um, what their goals are, you know, where our oldest, you know, of course, playing college, play beyond, et cetera, et cetera. Um, commitment is there 92.7% of the time. Um, and then boy, girl, twins, her commitment is there 192.7% of the time. And then her twin brother, his commitment's there maybe 22.7% of the time. So like, <laughs> those are more the conversations that we have where like there is no right or wrong situation. I think for, you know, especially in our case where, I mean, it is a family, it is a group. Like um, last year, our three kids played in three different clubs and she was the girls director at another club. So we were literally stretched over four organizations, but because, obviously for her professional sense, like that's what made, you know, the most sense for her over the last four years in terms of her development and growth um, in the, in the profession. Um, and then for our three, 
it was just a matter of like at that time, like what was best, you know, for them where uh, we want our, our, our kids to have their own identity in the game where it needs to be their journey. It needs to be, you know, their team. It needs to be their relationship with their coach. So uh, tryout process, um, all of the decisions are made by our three kids. Um, that kind of freaks some coaches and directors out. Like they give us the information and we say, we'll talk to, you know, them about it, him or her about it. And they're like, well, like, what do you mean? Like it's their decision. You know, I'm not going to put shin guards on. I'm not a 06 girl. Sorry. You know, it's going to be up to him, to her or him, you know, depending on uh, which, which child we're talking about. Um, so in terms of that, it was more a case of just what's going to be the best situation, you know, for them. So it can be playing time. It can be, you know, development, it can be um, their role on the team. And we kind of leave all of that up to them uh, uh, for them to make the, the best decision, um, not only in the, in the short term and present, but then in the long term in terms of what their long term goals would be as well. I think the, uh, the empowerment of your kids is awesome. And for anyone listening to this, um, you know, maybe they could uh, steal a page out of the playbook. So my wife and I have had a very similar conversation and uh, my son just turned nine, and, <clears throat> you know, going through the, the trial process now. And we told him before this started that th this is this is his decision. You know, he's got to find that place where he feels he can be the best. We'll give him information. We'll answer questions. We'll be supportive. But at the end of the day, uh, Tristan, I love what you said about, you know, we're, we're not putting the shin guards, we're not putting the boots on. Um, we'll get you to where you need to go, even if that means something different for me as a coach. And, um, you know, I, I think for him, that's been a, a bit of a breakthrough because I think I've seen too often, and you probably have experienced this as well, that um, when, when mom and dad or a family are driving the decision, and a kid sort of gets shoehorned into what the parent thinks is best, that may not be the best situation for the kid. And they might be chasing, I mean, who knows what they're chasing? Maybe they're chasing state cup titles. Maybe they're chasing, you know, plastic trophies. Maybe they're chasing, you know, quote unquote prestige. Um, you know, maybe it's to play with their friends, I, whatever. But I think it has to come down to the player. And not only is that a you know, a good lesson for soccer, right? In terms of decision-making, I think that's a great lesson for life <laughs> because, you know, and, and I, my son and I had this conversation recently of, he was having an issue and I can't remember what exactly the issue was, but I told him, I said, in a previous life, I would have bailed you out. I would have been the one that went and had that conversation on your behalf. I said, I want you to go and have that conversation and I'll support you. But it has to come from you. And he sort of looked at me like, like you trust me enough to do that, you know? And yeah, I do. Um, because if you don't learn it now and you get to be 25, 35, and you haven't learned that along the way, then I failed you as a parent. And uh, yeah, so I, I'm ranting here, but uh, um, I, I think what you're doing is, is fantastic. Thank you. And that's, um, I mean, our process from from last year to this year was a bit different um where last year as i said we ended up kind of three kids three different clubs um for youngest son i just think it was it was a good time for him to uh he was at a quote like you know smaller 
um, club where um, it wasn't, you know, quote, ECNL. They weren't playing on a national level. It was kind of more state. Um, but he had a good coach that kind of had always wanted to coach him. And he had always wanted to play for. Um, so we kind of based that decision just around, like, he made the comment of, you know, he always wanted to play for that coach. It really seemed like the coach, you know, really wanted him on the team versus, you know, in some other years, the coaches kind of just like the, the words he used were like settled for him on the team. So I was like, okay, we're out and we're in there, you know, because um, that was something, you know, where, I mean, nobody um, should have to have, you know, kind of those feelings. I mean, it was a sense where he, he felt like he was an integral part and he was important to the, to the team and to that coach and to the organization. Uh, so that's why we chose that. Um, oldest son's route was a bit different where I uh, kind of had two choices where it could have been a larger club um, where he would have been a member, you know, trained a couple of days a week with the team, gotten to play in every game, scored some goals, got a bunch of minutes. Um, or the other um, alternative was a smaller kind of more training based model um, that, a, that a club provided where basically no minutes are guaranteed. Um, you know, where he got an offer as a training player and training player only, and he had to kind of work work his way on to the game day roster. Um, so we talked about kind of the pros and cons of each. Um, and he chose option B, which it wasn't a, you know, good for him either way. It's like, Hey man, like if you want to be able to practice a couple of days a week and play, cause it's fun and you feel like that, that's what you need is just a chance to play and score. I get it. If you're talking about, you know, getting beyond high school, college, and even beyond that, like this is the way those situations kind of work. Like nothing is given, everything is earned. You know, so if if that's your choice, this is this is a way to kind of see is that really what you want to do? Um, and you know, kudos to him. He put some time in and kind of made some progress, um, and and did have a chance to play in some games. Uh, and then for our daughter, it was a bit different. Where um, actually have explored options outside of our market, um, which seems a bit odd. Where we have over a million people here and several clubs and thousands of players, but just the culture for her. Um, there were a couple of clubs in Atlanta that kind of reached out and expressed some interest um, through mutual friends, contacts, colleagues. Um, and for her goals, you know, we, we went over there um, and tried out um, at one of the, one of the premier clubs there, but just weren't able to, to logistically make that work um, with our family uh, in terms of um, providing that opportunity for her. So. We're all over the map for sure, literally and figuratively. <laughs> what do uh, just your own, uh, I guess, hearing what your kids say about tryouts and, uh, you know, having been doing this for a little while now, obviously you've seen them, you know, uh, grow and develop as players. But what's their, uh, you know, what's the buildup of a, of a tryout or, you know, hey, dad, I'm thinking about maybe exploring a new club or something like that. I, mean, I guess I'm curious what they're what they're thinking or what they're saying to you. Yeah. Um, so usually after every, you know, fall um, and then spring, we'll kind of have just like a kind of a family powwow, you know, like them kind of assessing like their experience. Um, and it's nothing, you know, like scheduled or formal. It's just like, hey, like, you know, what are you thinking? Um, opening up the the communication and kind of getting them again to just kind of think and navigate their way through where it's not a matter of um, coming from myself or any other parent. Oh, well, I think your coach stinks. They need to play a four, three, three, and you should be this. Like those conversations have never happened in our household. You know, it's a matter of like, you know, 
they may have some issues with maybe playing time or position, et cetera. It's like the conversation you, that you just referenced with your son. It's like, well, you know, maybe he or she has a reason. You know, they probably do. I don't think that they necessarily want to lose the game. They probably don't want to put, you know, you in a position that, that, that you're not good at. Um, I would suggest you talking to the coach um, and kind of giving them, you know, a deadline, you know, where if it's after a game, you know, probably not tomorrow, but maybe, you know, by, by your Tuesday practice, you know, ask if you can just have a, have a couple minutes and just talk through and just kind of see, you know, why that is. Um, so, I mean, we try to open those, those lines of communications up with our three, you know, all the time. So, you know, at the end of the fall, if it's going well or not well, it's like, okay, well, let's see what we can do better. You know, how can, how can we as a family, you know, you as a player, what can you do to impact your experience at this organization, on this team, with this coach and this group of players? How can you make it better? Um, and how can, you know, we as mom, dad, and family and like, you know, kind of support group, you know, make it better. And then we have the same conversation at the, at the end of the spring. If, if they're, they are leaning to, you know, exploring other options per se, whether it be uh, maybe a lot of friends are going somewhere else, or they heard that one of their favorite coaches, they're going to have a chance to play there or, you know, whatever the reasons may be. Um, they might bring that to us. Uh, kind of before the end of the season, but that's not something we usually entertain. Um, you know, we kind of talk about it like after just so that they can have a little bit of a more um, holistic perspective, you know, on, on the body of work of fall and spring together. You know, I, I get that maybe somebody called you a name on the team and that sucks. I understand, but like, we're not jumping clubs just because you can't get along with like one person. Like we need to be able to work through that. So that's kind of the way that it happens here. Um I don't really think that, that there's ever been like a sense of like anxiety or like nerves, you know, from them just because again, it's, it's them enjoying and playing a game that they love. Um, and for the most part, you know, they have kind of grown, grown up in it and around, you know, soccer and other sports and with parents who are coaches, it just kind of probably seemed a little more normal to them. I know that, uh, <clears throat> I was talking with some of the parents that I've, uh, coached their kids in, um, you know, you immediately say the word tryout in there. I, I mean, it's, I, I wish I had a hidden camera because you, I, I noticed that their body language changes and, um, you know, then I'm always quick to explain sort of what that means, um, and kind of what we might be looking for. Um, you touched on a little earlier, uh, Tristan, and I, and I loved it in the fact that, you know, parents typically are looking at time money, um, you know, uh, just opportunity. Uh, what advice would you give parents? I mean, what should they be aware of or maybe cautious of or, you know, leery of if they hear something or see something and they go, Ooh, hmm, something might not be right there. Um, I don't know. Anything you could offer parents is a sort of a, a tip or some advice. In reference to like the tryout process, um, and kind yeah. of that, yeah. like specifically, um, mm -hmm. I mean, something that's that's kind of sat in, in my brain since the beginning, again, being the son of a coach. My dad's been coaching since long before I was born. Um, he just retired, so he coached for, I believe, 53 years um, in, uh, in high school, college, and even dabbled a little bit in professional basketball. So just being, being – pros and cons, you know, like all of our upbringings. And that's what I tell our three is like, you know, the good is that, you know, your son and, and, and daughter of a coach, the bad is that, you know, 
we're going to probably see things a little bit differently than most parents. And that would be the same, you know, for conversation with club soccer coaches, club soccer directors, boards, parents, to your question, um, is I tend to look, look through things more like a coaching kind of development, you know, longitudinal lens where, uh, what is the rate of attrition in your club? You know, how many players maybe leave each year, um, rate of promotion in your club, how many players that are quote second team kids actually ever get the chance and opportunity to kind of make the first team, or are you just simply recruiting over them and replacing, you know, those slots, whether it be rosters growing, whether like go from nine B nine to 11 V 11, you need five more players or second team kids moving up. Or are you just trying to get other kids so that you can have a, you know, large organization, you can maybe have quote, what you would perceive to be a better team. Uh, maybe you're answering the bottom line where obviously you, you're talking about revenue and dollars uh, and the pay for play model. Um, so that's kind of the, like the number one question that I would have, you know, is we're committing to you um, and you want us to show loyalty to you, but like, is that a two way, you know, relationship? Where if my son or daughter isn't improving, like, what's the plan? Or if they're not developing, what's the plan? Or is it just, you know, he or she's going to be on the second team, you know, forever or until, which never happens, we complain enough to kind of promote them to the top team. Um, so I guess that would kind of be my, my one or two questions uh, that I would suggest, which may or may not be answered, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Well said. Um, just more of a, my own curiosity, logistically, how do you run three kids around at three different clubs and, uh, knowing that Kat is doing her thing, you're doing your thing with, uh, yeah. Birmingham futsal. Um, it's gotta be challenging, right? Um, this past year was interesting for sure. Where, um, if, if daughter would have had an opportunity to play in Atlanta, we probably would have driven less. Honestly, we talked about that. Um, but uh, with her, like we kind of had it worked out where like our um, our business futsal sessions during fall and spring in terms of when the kids needed to get to and from practice, you know, we're going to be kind of worked around when the typical practice schedule would be. Um, so there wasn't too much of a conflict there. And then she had it worked where uh, she'd be able to drop our daughter off on the way to practice one or two days a week. And then I would pick her up and I would handle the boys. Um, and the fact that now uh, in in, uh, in Alabama's uh, high school soccer is a spring sport. So um, that obviously made it easier where son was just kind of there after school. Um, and then we would kind of work out um, who we're going to be getting him. You know, if he had a game, maybe a little bit later, et cetera. But um, it was challenging at times for sure. I'm so damn jealous that uh, <clears throat> other parts of the country have spring soccer. Uh, we, we have spring soccer just not high school soccer here and um oh, wow. yeah it's a fall thing and i don't know i don't know how i feel about it i'm just not uh it's not my jam you know well so in Alabama, we have a sport in the fall it's called um football and that rules all so they're gonna they're gonna try <laughs> to as, much, as much conflict as possible uh with that for sure of course well i it, it it's died down a little bit here in Western PA, but um, you know, football and uh, high school football on a Friday night still a fairly yeah. large deal, sure. and uh, you know, a lot of small towns and a lot of people basically shutting down the town to go watch the uh, the local high school play. And you know, granted, that's kind of 
uh, you know, there's been a push and pull there with population changes and, and stuff like that, but it's still somewhat popular. Um, you know, uh, so yeah. Sure. Um, so put your coaching hat on here for a sec. Uh, what would you, what advice would you offer to a player? Um, is they're getting ready for tryouts or maybe they're thinking about a new club or, you know, something like that. What would you tell them? Um, I mean, I've had these questions a lot, honestly, where our program, uh, Birmingham Futsal is club neutral, where, you know, we, we collaborate and have some clubs that kind of use us to provide futsal, you know, either play opportunities, training, et cetera. Um, and, and, and we don't like endorse one club over the other. Like we're never going to tell a kid leave here to go there. It's a matter of, you know, kind of, uh, Socratic thinking and kind of asking questions to kind of guide them in their own thought process. So they reach the result that's best for them. Where are you having fun? You know, are you improving and are you getting quality coaching? And like, whether it's a kid or a parent, like if the answer to those is, you know, unanimously all three, then like, don't move, like don't go anywhere, <laughs> you know, because it might seem great on the other side of the fence, uh, you know, from kind of where you are, grass is always greener, but if you're getting those three things, then that's really makes no sense. Cause it's not like it's going to be a better situation if you were, you know, to leave for greener pastures, so to speak. No, I, I would agree. And I love the, um, the, the club neutral, uh, phrasing of that, that you, uh, you had mentioned, um, just because I think, you know, for, for your situation, I mean, you can, it's more about maximum maximum impact, right? And that, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, I always loved when I worked with students uh, previously in a, in a previous life and a job that I had of, I think they would get really frustrated with me when I wouldn't give them the answer <laughs> and I wanted them to figure it out. And, you know, I told them possibly places where they could find it or where they could look, but really the, the job is to, you know, uh, kind of, guide them and allow them to, you know, put the, the pieces together and connect the, connect the dots, I guess. Um, I mean, I think that's sound advice, uh, you know, for, a for a player and, and for parents, uh, as well. So, um, we'll close up by saying, uh, I guess overall, what do people need to know about tryouts or this whole club soccer thing that, um, you know, it's not going to go away, <laughs> uh, is, sure as much as all of us probably wanted to sometimes. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I, what would you tell people? Um, I mean, I would say kind of a, like a blanket statement, so to speak, would be difficult because, because of the nature of our country and how eclectic and how different the soccer cultures are. Um, like I just jumped off a call with um, Scotty Bruce, soccer parenting. We're kind of putting some different things together on ways where we can kind of get information out. And that was kind of my first, um, what's, what works in Birmingham, what works in Western PA, doesn't work in Texas, LA, Seattle, Chicago, you know, you can, you can keep going. Um, but I mean, I guess that the biggest thing, and I say it all the time is like, you know, at the end of the day, it's kids in a ball. And I think the, the closest to that, that, a start small picture that, a coach of a team of maybe an age group uh of maybe a program within a club within a or or within like a program and kind of boys girl side of a club within a larger club the closer i think the the mission is to that i would say the better 
you know, the further folks kind of get away and kind of stray from that is where all of the um, good, bad, ugly, and horror stories of, you know, quote, tryouts and kind of club soccer, you know, come out where it should be a chance to play. It should be you and a bunch of kids out there having fun, you know, and if it's handled correctly mm -hmm. at the end of the day, I think the coaches are going to make the decisions that are going to be the most appropriate for that player, whether it be in terms of, you know, maybe they're by far one of the better players, maybe they're, you know, maybe near the bottom, they need some experience. Probably they're going to be somewhere in the middle. Um, and then opening up those lines of communication between parents and coaches and kind of building that bridge of trust where, um, it's not a perfect system and there's really no way of knowing like where the other side is coming from and kind of the, you mentioned it, you know, how many times as a parent, you know, had certain things maybe promised or dangled or alluded to, you know, then in the past and on the, on the surface, like what's going to make you as a coach, you know, different than what I've heard in the past. So I think that's where mm -hmm. kind of homework on the front end for a mom or dad, you know, again, kind of knowing, what is the philosophy of that person? You know, are they going to be more in, in, invested in the, not only, you know, the sport development of your child, but also the personal development of your child. Do they really care about the kid um, and the person kind of greater than the player, or is it just a matter of just, they're just looking to assemble players on the team so that they can get results, you know, so they can serve their ego or kind of whatever the variables would be. Mm -hmm. I think the, uh, the transparency for us as coaches, um, you know, in, in talking to parents and just just being completely real with them of what we expect. Um, here's what we're looking for. And, um, you know, if if people or, or players don't fit that, helping them find that place. Um, you know, I, I feel weird and there's probably a place for it, I guess. And it goes back to sort of the, you know, the, the idea you'd mentioned earlier about your son about you know, really trying to make it on merit, right. And like, let your ability shine and let your ability show, um, you know, do, do clubs have a responsibility to take kids and sort of then develop them if they're not quite at first team level, maybe. Um, but it goes back to something you'd mentioned before of, you know, even if a kid is a second team or, you know, even below that, that can they work their way up with a bunch of hard work, dedication, um, doing what they have to do, you know, to eventually maybe make the first team. Um, I don't know. And I, it, it's interesting to see sort of do, just doing side-by-side -side comparisons of how clubs are structured and sort of what is the, the ultimate goal. Um, we have a number of clubs here locally that have a tie in to playing, you know, like a semi-professional or a professional, uh, you know, playing in that environment eventually. Mm -hmm. So, had a conversation with someone recently that talked about, you know, Hey, really, we're really a, like a, a cradle to grave type of operation in the fact that, you know, they're trying to develop kids at the academy level, get them to, you know, uh, middle school, and then eventually continue to give them a chance into the high school age that they might be eligible for their first team, which is a, um, you know, uh, an NPSL team, uh, right now. Sure. Um, you know, so, I mean, I think things like that are fantastic. Um, you know, if more and more clubs kind of go that way, which ties into sort of the, the whole stru structure of U.S. soccer and yeah. other po political things that you and I, uh, you know, we can't move the needle fast enough on, I guess. But, um, yeah, uh, good stuff there. I ask you this every time I have you on. But if folks want to connect with you and uh, 
and follow along with what you're doing in uh, Birmingham, how can they do that? Um, so personal stuff is going to be T and then Tillette, T-I-L-L-E-T-T-E. And that's Twitter and Instagram. Um, it gets a little crazy sometimes on there where that's some personal coaching, some family, some <laughs> beat agility, sports, fitness, you know, culture, whatever. Um, and then um, Birmingham, so uh, all one word, Birmingham Futsal. Uh, that's the same on Twitter and Instagram as well. And that's going to be kind of specific to what um, we're doing here in our culture to, again, providing um, just a positive, you know, play-based experience for kids where there is some training involved in some of our programs, but providing pickup games for uh, we're actually starting uh, piloting a program starting next week with uh, four, five, and six-year-olds where it's not going to be like a ton of coaching. It is just, hey, bring them. We're going to show them how to, you know, basically manipulate the ball and then go at it 1v1, 2v2, and have as much fun as you can and score as many goals as you can um, for an hour. Uh, and then we have some academy teams. We do um, men's pickup as well, uh, where that's taken off. And basically, we play 8.30 uh, to 10.30, two nights a week. We're adding another night a week of that. And if you don't let me know by 3 or 4 o'clock, then we're generally sold out. And that's a, a truly, like, multicultural experience. I think we've had 24 players, which is our max. And I want to say the record is we had them from 17 different countries. You know, so mm. just a lot aligned by their love for the ball in the game, which, you know, it is what we're trying to do here um, in our market. And then with our other groups, we have partners in uh, Atlanta Futsal, Knoxville, Tennessee, Macon, um, and launching one in South Carolina as well. And for, uh, for moving the needle uh, for uh, the sport that we all love. And um, thanks for coming on the, uh, the On the Touchline podcast. It's, uh, you're, you're a repeater, you know, you're uh, <laughs> a two-time, two-time. <laughs> thanks for having me. My pleasure. You guys know how much I love Duke Tig brand, D-U-K-T-I-G brand.com. I am headed to a coaching education course this weekend. And guess what product that is definitely going to be in my bag? The Duke Tig brand XL notebook. Go to duketigbrand.com, D-U-K-T-I-G brand.com, and I can save you 10% on your next order. Use the promo code BROADWATER19 at checkout. B-R-O-A-D-W-A-T-E-R-1-9 at checkout. duketigbrand.com, high-quality notebooks and products for coaches like you. Go check it out. DukeTigBrand.com, D-U-K-T-I-G brand.com. Save 10% today. A big shout out to Tristan Tillette for coming on the latest episode of the On the Touchline podcast. And Tristan, I always love our conversations. Um, need more folks like you in the soccer community. And keep, what you're, keep doing what you're doing in Alabama. Uh, absolutely love it from afar here. Uh, in Pennsylvania. There will be more episodes and more conversations related around the topic of tryouts here in the coming weeks and hope to share at least two more of those out uh, as you're either getting started or wrapping up or have already wrapped up tryout season. Before we close up shop, new episode coming your way this Saturday. 
And new episodes of the show are available every Wednesday and Saturday. Uh, a lot of content coming your way this summer and have been putting together a pretty extensive guest list of coaches, players, people in our game, as well as topics that uh, hope to cover. And oh, by the way, there's this little thing called the Women's World Cup that is starting here in just a few days. So if you're not watching that, shame on you. All right, guys, hit me up on social media at SoccerCoachJB on Twitter and Instagram, and I'll catch you guys real soon. Thank you so much for listening to the latest episode of the On the Touchline podcast. And I'm your host, Jason Broadwater.